Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, keep the blinders on. Having blinders on means to be oblivious to something that exists or is happening around you. My guest for this episode, Emmy award-winning consumer technology expert and one of the leading women in media technology, Katie Linendahl, believes having blinders on is a good thing. As she says, it's so important to chase what you love without listening to all the outside noise or arbitrary societal timelines and pressures. I could not agree more, but it's often easier said than done. So we're gonna go deep into how keeping her blinders on has allowed Katie to pursue her career in tech at a time when she was the only woman in the room, literally and virtually, as well as pursue her passion for music and how she hit the country music charts. If you've not had the pleasure of meeting Katie, she is a regular contributor all over major media and every national morning show where she showcases the latest in tech and gadgets along with on-location stories that she films across the globe with her production company. Katie is also a partner in MetroCap Partners, where the team focuses on engagement with early stage startups. And Katie is also a popular MC, moderator, and keynote speaker and active in philanthropic causes. Katie, this is Oh, such a happy day to have you here. Welcome. Oh my goodness. The second I saw that you launched a podcast, I was hoping, hoping, hoping that one day I would be able to join because Barbara Barna, I'm going to put you on blast. You are a legend, legend, legend. And I had the pleasure early in my career, which I might just briefly say about 20 years ago, I'm going to date myself in the media industry. I came to New York with just like Oh my gosh, it's what's happening here, all the glitz and glamour and the allure of New York City. And I was started from the ground up, which I wouldn't have it any other way, and just right into the grind. But you were the first person I took a, a class with you. And I was like, I love this woman. This woman is amazing. And it was from that moment on, I've known you for so long and just in such admiration for everything you do in the industry, everything you've done in your career, and just how you're a legend and everybody loves you. Like, congratulations on life. <laughs> okay, that was so sweet. And, and to anyone listening, Katie was not paid for that. So that is, you're so dear. No, so you're so dear, but this is what a great actual segue because um, that's really kind of you, but you are in fact a legend. You, in fact, have a Guinness World Record. So please share. You know, it's so funny. I, I have, as I noted, I've truly worked my way up from the bottom up as a production assistant at ESPN working on Sports Center, and just had so many blessed milestones in my career. But one of the things that comes up the most is, oh my goodness, you have a Guinness World Record. What is it of? And I'm like, and this is where my parents kind of cringe because of all the accolades and like very, you could say important things that I've done through that have worked very hard for. I always wanted to win a Guinness World Record since I saw Guinness World Record. Somebody I knew when I was younger had a plaque. So I went and got the most high five in one minute and achieved the record in the plaque. You get two chances for anybody that's not familiar how Guinness World Record works. You get two attempts. I had Guinness World Record adjudicator there. And I had this whole, we were at the MTV studios 
And I had all these people that I've never met before lined up and I was getting most high fives in one minute just because I'm very competitive and I wanted to get the most high fives in one minute. And also I'm not a hugger. So it was kind of a full circle moment in my life where I was like, I was always known for high-fiving. So here I earned the Guinness World Record for most high-fives in one minute. But watch this, because I'm going to come full circle on this. The show, we, I was filming a show for Spike TV at the time, and it was called All Access Weekly. It was a tech, gaming, and comic show with lots of celebrity and athlete and, and awesome nerdy guests. Guess who cast me for that show? Barbara Barna herself. Now Barbara Barna able. You were not able at that time. Barbara Barna cast me for that show. It was so many years ago, but it was one of my favorite projects that I've ever done in media. That was a really fun thing to work on. But I actually want to go back and just point out for the audience, because right there, it's just you have such a phenomenal creative mind. And <laughs> no, but and also um really wonderful combination with a tremendous. Um, I mean, actually say like sort of personal values and ethics, and then an amazing work ethic and your drive and your ability to stick with it. So it's how you could, because trust me, there are a lot of kids sit around in high school and, and brainstorm, how am I going to get a Guinness, you know, Guinness world record, <laughs> but how many people actually research, well, what has to go into it and then make it all happen. So I love that story because it's actually just a perfect segue into what the podcast is all about. Right. And what we're here to talk about is about, you know, so go now to like, keep the blinders on. When did you figure out that that was important for you? And now that I just asked you a question, I have to imagine though. So even when you are, you know, in the midst of your, what is it? 60 seconds to get your, your world record that the ability to keep blinders on is how champions win championships. It sure is. And actually, I'll take two steps back because we were sitting in a production meeting for this show. And one of my right hand producers, great guy, was like, you know, the, it was the National High Five Day was coming up. It's in April. And I, I had proposed that I wanted to do this wacky segment because we always had a rundown meeting of ideas and, and creative thoughts for the next episode. So my producer's like, oh, you have to reach out to get us world records within a certain amount of time. We've missed the window. And it was right there that as a keep blinders moment on, because I was like, well, did you try? Did you reach out to them? And did you contact them? And did they tell you no? And that's been a real thread throughout my entire career. You, I'm going to go, go, go until someone tells me no. Now, of course, you have to vibe out. You don't want to be annoying at any point. But you got to get past the hurdles of somebody telling you you can't do something before you decide you can't do it yourself. So he was like, no, I didn't try. We missed the deadline. And I was like, that doesn't mean anything. It's just words on the website. So I was like, go call them or I'll call them and see if we can get it through. Lo and behold, Guinness World Records was like, yeah, we'll do a shoot. You want to do a shoot? We'll do a shoot. Here we are a week later and the shoot was set up. But it's only because you have, like, I am just so persistent. And again, I think there's a, a healthy balance of knowing when you're annoying and when you're not annoying to keep that drive going until it's just not achievable which is gonna be, you gotta go far ways before something's not achievable. So I am just adamant about not listening to any of that noise around me or somebody's telling me you can't do and staying completely hyper-focused. You got one life, it's your life, you're the boss, you're in charge, it is up to you to make things happen. And that is, I truly just lived the straight and narrow and the, it's, it's my true north. Oh, I love that. How did you go from ESPN production assistant to uh, tech goddess? 
Yes. So I have always been very fascinated with technology at a time where it was not cool. I started when I was about 12, 13 years old, I started coding and teaching myself how to create programs and, and run programs and just really do at the time hard code. And it was just not popular. You know, I was growing up at a time where I was working on a dinosaur computer in my parents' basement that our uncle had given us, you know, figuring everything out from scratch and the inner, inner and outer workings of computers. And I became fascinated with tech. And I knew that there was something there. And I always say in the world of code, you learn how to code certain strings of things very early on in your coding process. And one of those words that you code that you bring to life on the screen, it's called hello world. And it was always like a metaphor for me because that hello world, when I learned how to do all these like, you know, text and numbers, letters, something would pop up on the screen that I created with, with coding. It fascinated me. And it was truly like, wow, I just, hello world indeed. So I went on to, I became fascinated with computers very young. And then I, when I was in high school, I was put in this program where, you know, I was always typically the only girl in any computing class. And I just reveled in it. I loved it. It never bothered me. I felt like you can use your opportunities where you're different to really stand out. And I took this uh, networking class while I was in high school and earned my networking certifications before I even graduated high school. And then continuing my fascination with technology, I went to the Rochester Institute of Technology and got my degree in IT new media. So every time that I'm on air and the blessed amount of work that I've had to do in, in for 15 years now in technology, which is so vast from cryptocurrency to consumer technology, my expertise is truly in the tech sphere. Like I love to get in there and there's so many facets now of tech that to stay on top of. Your work is never done, but my mind is just truly enamored with so many of the different silos of technology, if you will. That's incredible. It's so easy to forget living now with everything we have at our fingertips, but smartphones didn't exist. There's barely no. an internet. There's kind of a world wide web when you're doing this, but I, I just want to remind anybody listening how it sounds crazy, but it was primitive, right? Yeah. You're like rudimentary. It's, it's like there's a scribe with a chisel <laughs> and a big stone tablet and you're teaching yourself to code. It's incredible. Seriously, like, thank you for putting a spotlight on that because it was very much ahead of its time and like very much figuring things out the very hard way. And, and that's why I appreciate where we're at with technology now. But to answer your question too, how did I go from, you know, this technology degree to ESPN? While I was getting my degree in tech, I was hosting, I auditioned for a show on ESPN2. I've always been a sports and tech girl. And I auditioned for the show while I was getting a degree that covered uh, regional and local sports. So I learned how to work on air and also the work behind the scenes. So I was working in Final Cut and software programs, editing my packages, editing my segments. They would then air and learning all the facets of technology while also learning how to work on camera. So lo and behold, I'm like, I love this. I'm going to continue learning. And I went to work for ESPN behind the scenes, which was one of the hardest jobs to date that I've ever had in my career. I had to take a sports test to get my job. And it was very, very, very difficult. I remember I felt like I was in like an interrogation room answering very difficult world, uh, sporting questions. And I've been in a sports family my whole life, but it was hard. But then getting in there in another environment where, you know, I feel 
empowered when I have to prove myself as a female and I love it and I love being competitive. Um, but being in that space of like from technology to sports and working in that environment is so awesome and difficult and challenging. And working on these shows from outside the lines to Sports Center to NBA Fast Break, we're just, it was the best ground to start a television career in. I love that. I once um, was listening to Anna Winter, believe it or not, in her um, address through the Oxford Union. And she, one of the things she attributed to her success to is the fact that starting out in magazines in the UK, she worked in every aspect of the magazine. And, uh, and I'm a big believer of that. So that's my, my circle back was the fact that if you could speak to how important it is to have the behind the scenes, your knowledge of how TV is made and it works and the technology. And the fact you have an extra level of knowledge because you actually understand how like the codes go and actually gets you know, delivered to the viewer, but literally why that, how that informs and makes you better on camera and has given you advantages in your career. Because I have to assume that's like, you know, whether you're on a morning show or delivering anything that it's, you know, how it all works. You, and I think you, you naturally probably take things apart in your head and put them back together. Totally. I love this question because it's such an important thing for me to teach when I'm mentoring people that want to get involved in the television space or in the media space, or even in the technology space, because, you know, we fast forward so many years from, I feel like this little girl that was at ESPN and now running my own production company. And being able to understand at the minimum on a surface level, how to shoot, how to edit, how to produce, and how to work in every single software program that I'm asking of my team. And to do that with a lot of humility, that is a big part of who I am. Like I always tell my team, I'm like, I'll take out the trash. I will mop the floor. There is nothing that I'm too good for. And I will do anything. And I think I'm always carrying gear. You have to be like, I feel like I'm setting an example, A, for everybody involved, but also if I'm asking a graphic designer to create something, I know how roughly how long it's going to take. Or if I'm asking somebody to cut a social clip, how long that is going to take. And I think that's important because your expectations are aligned. And then, you, you know, you're asking your teammates to help you with something and you just have a better idea of how it all works and how it all comes together. And I think for me too, as a nerd, like, you know, staying on top of everything is just, I, I, I'm just very curious. So it's, it's like a full-time job learning new programs and new software and, and just staying on top of any, everything in general. I love it. And I think it's an important part of being better at your job. And I will, I'll say to as a very specific example, when I go into like one of my favorite places to work is over at Rachel Ray. Love Rachel Ray, love her show, love working on the show. I get to do tech segments on the show. The producers are phenomenal. I love them so much. Like going into the studio, and by the way, there's like private chefs that bring you in food to your green rooms. It's like you just walked into like, it's so, it's such an amazing place to be, an amazing feeling. I feel like on top of the world. But I try my best knowing how it works behind the scenes and having produced what they're looking for and how to make their lives easier. So when I'm pitching to the station and to my producers there, I am making everything very clear very detailed, very to the point, and I'm handing it over on a silver platter as much as possible. And what does that lead to ultimately? I mean, uh, you get rebooked a lot, right? Because you, they know that you have, you're buttoned up and you have your stuff together. I only know that because I had that role behind the scenes. So it's just so important to bring everything full circle. And like, you're also constantly learning, as I said, like it's never done. Just the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, how much older do I have to be until I stop learning lessons? It's never done. It's never done. And I'm here for it. Mm, 
Oh my God. What a beautiful example of the truism that one, we focus on what we can control, right? And so when you're going into something, I always coach this. It's like the, when you get booked to do something, the goal is to get invited back because the yes. thing that you can always control is being a good guest and you just yes. define how it's done. Oh, I always say on-air segments are an audition for the next on-air segment. Start to finish. Oh, I love that. Okay, so let's return to the title of this episode. Um, so because I want to know when you, do, I mean, if you were just born with an ability to monofocus or is there some time that you notice, wow, because um, there's two things. One, there's the notion of distraction, like why you got to keep your blinders on. But the other thing too, because you brought it up about the outside external pressures is there's yes. also the permission slip aspect of something. And I refer to it as letting go of the shoulds. Because we often get in, I should be, I should be, I should be, I should be. And you were saying, keep your blinders on, let go of the shoulds. And it's also something that happened even in the launch of my podcast, my beloved, you know, Vinny Potestivo, who has, guides me through all of this. He said to me early on, because deadlines were not my issue. I mean, we were doing it, right? It wasn't motivation. He said, so let go of arbitrary deadlines, focus on impact. Yes. And I feel like yeah. that's what you were saying to me is focus that it's keep the blinders on because you focus on your impact. Do do the best that you can. And also permission to change in that. You know, when sometimes when I'm launching a new project and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm putting, I'm trying to put out so much in you know, one a week, one a week, one a week. And I'm like, if I could just focus and do one every other week, it'd be twice as good. And I've had to, I've had twice as much time. So I ask myself now, permission to change. I have reflected, I've, I've done it, I've put myself in it and I've reflected on it, what would make it better? And so I think we have that permission to change. It's not permission to be lazy, don't get me wrong, but it's also, you know, you're, you're moving forward and there's, there's a lot of people, especially now, and it is what I've experienced in my career, a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts. And I think those are great. I think you can take them all in and you can absorb them. But the focus what your goals and one of my go-to individuals, who's one of my music coaches, he is phenomenal in terms of guidance and direction. We all need somebody that we can like talk to for guidance and direction, right? Multiple people. It's, one of my friends told me it's like your T-Mobile five. <laughs> you remember that? You have your T-Mobile five that you trust. And you're like, let me run this past you. We think of this. I'm like, oh, I like that. So he's one of my T-Mobile five. And he, he, he always says, you know, there's a lot of external noise but we're living in a time in 2022, going into 2023, sooner than later. And if, if somebody is not going to amplify or celebrate what you're working on in your projects, you get to celebrate yourself. You get to throw your own party. So keep your own focus and keep your own control. You are the boss in every situation. But also with that, you got to see those projects through. And I think that's something that I'm very adamant about. I have been around a lot of creative types that don't see projects through. You got, if you're hyper-focused and you always look at that goal sheet, which he is the same individual I'm telling you about, always keep your goals front and center. If you want to write them down and you want to put them on your office wall, always go back to that goal. And am I fulfilling that goal? Is my action item filling that goal? And I think that's important. Just keep those blinders on. Everybody's going to have their own opinions. Everybody's going to tell you what they think you should be doing. You're in charge. You're the one creating your own happiness to the end goal and your goals should be mapped out and you should be going, striving to achieve them and everything you should be doing should be going to that direction of achieving them. My subjective point of view. 
Oh, uh, we're, we're on the same team. You know, it's interesting too, in, in the role of a coach and as a casting director, I get asked all the time, you know, questions around, um, am I allowed to, am I permitted? Can I say this? Can I do this thing, right? The question goes back to exactly what you're saying. You always ask yourself, does it serve the goal? If it serves yes. the goal, yes, you can. If it doesn't serve the goal, why would you? And I think because there's so much opportunity right now, there's so much to be doing and everybody feels like they have to put out 50,000 social posts, you can easily get distracted. Stay the course. Is it servicing the goal? If the answer is yes, then do it. But I think it's just, we're living in so much noise and there's so much opportunity at the same time that you have to have those things listed and continuing to go back to them and making sure that you're, with the efforts that you're putting in are serving your ultimate purpose. Wait, so I want to go back for this because I love this. So first of all, do, do you do annual goals? Do you do goal reviews? Do you, I mean, because it sounds like you do write out your, and you have an annual goal statement or something similar. Because I would love to get just what I'm asking for is A, confirmation, but two, so that we can share with the audience, like what is your process? My process is staying focused in doing goals. And I think, you know, for me, the hardest thing is always coming back to them and answering the question because Again, we're living in a time where there's so much that you can do. Like, just on the social media side, like you could be creating videos all day. It could also turn into a fast time burglary. I, since I'm working in, which is kind of crazy, but it's a blessing. You know, I have three different, three different silos I work in. I work in my consumer technology silo. I work in my speaking silo. And then I also work in music. So I have to have very clear direction to stay, yes, I am writing those goals down and I'm always looking back, making sure. Is, what, is this time spent servicing a purpose? So the short answer is yes. Mm, that's a version, you know, I literally every day write in my day book journal that I drag with me everywhere. What's the most important thing I have to do today? Yeah. Right. And it's not, and, and it's not always an action because sometimes it might be meditate or brainstorm or something, but it is, it's, the point is, is the check-in. So it's constantly staying focused mm -hmm. so that, um, cause it is easy to get, there's shiny things. It's easy to get distracted or, you know, totally. um, whatever, but you know, now I do as your own case study want to talk about, okay. I was fascinated now that to know that I'm also in the midst of a country music star. So walk me through, we have an idea or a desire or a passion that comes up. How do you um, define those goals and then see it through and actually, you know, hit the country charts? This is, I'm already blown away and I don't even know what the answer is. You know, many people were, they were very surprised that I, you know, my, my whole career has been in technology and I do a lot of uh, speaking engagements and hosting all across the world. So, but my dad is a drummer and I grew up in a very musically inclined family and my parents are way cooler than I am, as I always say. <laughs> I was like the nerd. <laughs> so I've always been fascinated with music and I started musically training about 20 years ago in, in taking voice lessons. And then I dabbled in piano and guitar and music theory. And it wasn't until when the pandemic hit two years ago, I was typically for my work. One year I was on the road over 300 days shooting tech segments all over the globe. So I was always in a plane and I loved it. And I, I still love traveling, but now I found myself building out home studios to do everything virtually and having a little bit more time. And I said, you know what? Talk about keeping the blinders on. I know what people are going to think. I know they're going to think it's crazy. I'm going to fulfill my goals of moving forward and publicly starting to share my music. And I think there's, if, if I look as I'm talking it through right now, I, there was probably a lot more 
to be has it like if, if if I thought about the process of it, like why would I do that? Like, what were people going to think of me? People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm putting my tech. Through. There's so many voices that you could instantly put in your head, right, to make you go, oh, I'm just, just going to share this with myself and my family. I was like, you know what? Sometimes you also just have to be like, screw it, I'm doing it. Like, I, this, you have one life. I'm a big girl of faith. I'm like, you go for it. God is on your side. Go for it. So I started working and just really starting a whole music career from scratch and a whole, a whole other area that I knew nothing about really and building out my music and doing it, finding producers, finding musicians, finding people to work with. And it was like kind of fun to start all over again. I mean, it's, it's, it's also very like challenging because I know this one space that I worked in for so long, so well, but then to start from scratch, it's, it's even more humbling so I started putting out music and I had a EP go out in the CCM space and then a single go out in the country music space that just came off of the charts, which was so exciting. That song's called Renaissance Lady. And then another single come out uh, just a few weeks ago called Miss Mary Mac, which is a riff off of the song I grew up with Miss Mary Mac, Mac, Mac. <laughs> and it has been such a fun process to just infuse a, what I know about the world of production, like for example, our lot of the music video that I have coming out now is just off the charts in terms of production because that's the world that I come from. So utilizing my strengths and maybe in an environment that I am yet to know so well, bringing my strengths to the table and doing everything that I can do to kind of amplify my music world. And so putting out cool music videos, working with the best producers and musicians that, are, that I kind of humbly say that are working with me and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm learning so much and I defer to their expertise. But I also found this thread that it's not just me. And I think my university at RIT that I went to is a perfect example of it. There's a lot of us techies too that have this kind of like art passion side project happening. And uh, I was doing a recent panel and the, the co-founder of Square, Jim McKelvey, he was talking about how he loves glass blowing. And I was like, huh. That's so interesting. He's like, I wrote a book on it. I love glass blowing. He's like, everybody on this panel, I'll, I'll glass blow something for you. And I was like, what a perfect example of somebody like our, my university, getting back to where I was going with that. They have an infusion now of arts facility and music at a tech school. And it's because people have these side passion artistic projects that they like to hone in on a little bit more. And I think I'm not the only one. I think there may be many people listening to this and say, there's something that I love to do. I've always been a little like shy about putting it out there, but I just say from my own experience, you're gonna learn so much. It's gonna be, it's gonna feel a little scary if you will. And you're like totally putting yourself out there. And for me in writing all my own music as well, it's very vulnerable. I mean, these are lyrics that are like coming truly from my heart, but it's awesome at the same time. And like, what is there to lose, but all the noise coming at you. And honestly, I haven't had that many negative opinions come at me. People are excited. People are, we all have more in common than we don't. And we all want people to succeed and be happy. So I'm like, I'm so adamant about using this experience and just starting a music career. I'm almost 40 years old. It is never too late to start something that you love doing and just put yourself on blast and have at it. Why not? Right? Oh, mm -mm. I am inspired and motivated and that, oh my God. <laughs> That was just a tiara full of gems just right there. But I have to say, can't lie. I'm listening to you going, okay, walk us through how you organize your day. 
Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm shot out of a cannon every day. Um, yeah, it's, I need more hours in the day. And a lot of people would probably look at what I do and say, you got a lot going on. I would also but literally, what do you do? I'm not, I'm going to push you on this one because I love these things. Okay. You wake up. What time do you get up early? I, well, I usually hear, I'll start actually back up and I'll, I usually go to bed about three 30 in the morning. I know it sounds crazy. I'm just naturally a night owl. So I get my best work done from like 10 to three 30. And then I typically wake up. I'm going to add to the chaos. I usually, I'm, I always work out. I'm like obsessed workout person. So I do Krav Maga, which is martial arts. That's a lot of amazing self-defense techniques in the martial arts space, or I do a long run or I do strength and conditioning, big fitness person. And then depend every day is very different. And I've got to kind of map it out as far as I can, but I work, like, I don't watch reality TV. <laughs> I don't, there's no like, my day is very, very structured, like to the 15 minute increment. Like I get as much done because that's how I like to live my life. That for everybody, no, but I want to achieve as much as possible in one day in as many of my little silos as possible. So there isn't time, like, I mean, I'll be very straightforward. Like, I don't drink, maybe a few drinks a year. I don't smoke. I, I am really disciplined and focused in my work, my faith, family and work life, like out of hours in the day, but you kind of like, if you want to do it all, you know, I don't, I, I don't party. I don't, I don't get crazy. It's just, I wouldn't have time for it. I like to work and I like to create and I like to fulfill my own personal passions. Again, is it for everybody? No, but that's just, I'm just here to run my, my own thing. Right. Yes. But it goes back to what you said in the beginning that I love. There's no destination for you. It's the process. The, the, yes. the doing brings you so much joy. It's journey. so evident as you discuss, oh, it's beautiful. It's the journey for sure. And that's the fun part of it for me. It's like, it's not the destination at all. You're totally right. It's this, it's the process and the enjoyment of, of creating. Yeah. On a practical note, have you ever caught yourself dropping the blinders? You know, just having a moment go, Shh, oh, whoa, now I see why the blinders are important. Yeah, you know, for me, I feel like the, the social media side can be a lot of time. And I get sucked into that world. Like I really try to get in and get out and, you know, comment a lot of pleasantries and get out because I feel like there's a lot of societal pressure and a lot of people looking at other people's lives. And it's a, it's a rabbit hole to quickly and a trap to quickly fall into. And I start getting into that scroll and I'm like, I'm out. Or I start having like, why would someone post that? I'm like, wait, that was a negative feeling towards somebody. That's not me. I'm out. So I think like the social side is in, in I, if I had another 20 hours in the day, I would go into digital psychology, which I feel like is a career that's imminent in the next three to five years, just because of the, what it's doing and what we know on the technological side, what it is doing to people and in their, their state of emotion and their mental state. So I find that very fascinating. And that's somewhere I try to get in, get out, post what I need to post and call it a day and really, really keep to keeping those blinders on. A hundred percent. And also your deep level of self-awareness, the act, the idea that it happens, you have a thought and you realize that's not the right thought, or this is not where yeah. I want to be. That's a really important thing that you have developed that muscle. 
because you're working out on all levels, I can tell. Good for you. Oh, this is incredible. Wait, hey, where can everybody find you? Because everybody needs to find you. Oh, thank you. I have already. I'm like, don't go on social media, but you can find me on social media. <laughs> no, I think it has its goods and it's, it, it has its, it, as long as it's used within balance is what I'm always adamant about, especially being in the tech space for so long. So I am over at Katie Linendahl and my music, of course, is on Spotify or Apple Music or anywhere you find music. My latest single that just came out is Miss Mary Mac and the music video will be out soon. We're very excited about that. And I actually, it was, so, it was so cool. I worked with one of the top music video directors. Her name is Natalie Simmons. You would love her, Barbara. She's just a little firecracker. And she's one of Dolly's like right-hand gals. And I'm like, we just instantly hit it off. We're like, we're, we're both like crazy. And we're like, let's create awesome stuff together. Like as soon as we met each other, I'm like, I just see you be, we would have a trifecta of friendship. Uh, but latest single, Miss Mary Mac, that's out now. And of course, my website is katielinendahl.com. You're coming back. You are. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, you are a gift, Katie. Mwah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to Camera Ready Enable. If you're interested in one-on-one -on -one media communications or brainstorming training for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera and Off. And as always, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.